Dear listener, Sai Ram and greetings from Prashanti Nilayam. Welcome to our radio program, Afternoon Satsang. This is a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live, hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12.30pm Indian Standard Time on Thursdays, only on Asia's stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion is on Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 12th February 2015. Have a listen please. Salam dear listeners, Arvind and myself are here for this week's afternoon satsang and continuing last week's story we are going to dwell again in the Ramakatha Rasvaini. Before we begin that, as always, we offer our most humble panams at Bhagwan's lotus feet and at the lotus feet of Lord Hanuman, who is believed to be present wherever the name of Rama is taken. Sai Ram Arvind. Just like the previous week, again, I'm very, very uh, in a state of eager anticipation because the stories that we have lined up today are really so beautiful and so full of insight as to how devotion and dedication to the Lord must be. We stopped at the point where uh, Sumantra has brought the three of them to the forest. They met with Guha, the chieftain of the local boatsman tribe. And uh, that is a point where they stay and we beautifully, I mean, we had that beautiful description of how Lakshmana started his Vigil in serving Rama and Sita and how Guha gave company to him. And that's the point where we stopped because the next day is the moment where Sumantra's road ends in this journey where he has to go back and report to the king. And uh, that scene again is very poignant and very, very uh, soulful because Sumantra, as all the other citizens of Ayodhya, even he had that desire to at least have this opportunity to stay on in the forest. You know, that emotion of the Ayodhya where Rama is not there is the real forest and where Rama is, is the true Ayodhya. So he makes that last attempt to convince Rama to have him along. He says, you know, it, it would always be useful to have a resourceful person as Sumantra is because in that Balakandam we saw how Sumantra, you know, is such an astute man when uh, Rama and Lakshmana and the other brothers travel with him on a pilgrimage. You know, whatever the brothers wanted, whatever resources they wanted to be given in temples, Sumantra was so uh, efficient in getting all that arranged. So he offers to stay back. And uh, I think we also mentioned that earlier dialogue where Sumantra says, what would happen if I go back? And uh, Dashrata says that, why didn't you stop? I called you. And you know, even there he makes that attempt to convince Rama that it's a good thing to ask him to stay. Right? You know, Prem, uh, while reading this description of how Sumantra is trying to stay back with Rama, he's telling Rama, don't tell me to return back to Ayodhya. Because I don't know what face I will show there. Because all said and done, ultimately it was the king's desire that you actually turn back. In fact, he had told me to tag along with you as far as possible and try my best to convince you. So if I don't convince you, I would have failed the king. Rather than face the king whom I have failed, I would come along with you and serve you in the forest if you can say as an atonement for me having failed to do my duty, let me come along with you to the forest and be of service to you there. Reading this whole thing, you know, it took me down memory lane to those innumerable occasions when Swami would leave 
for kodaikanal especially i am saying this because this is uh, an aspect possibly not so well known because it it used to be a practice among students that everyone desires to go with swami to kodaikanal because all said and done Prashantinilayam is Bhagwan's office. Brindavan is supposed to be his home, and Kodaikanal was his playground. And everyone likes to play with the Lord. And so each student would harbor in his heart a fond hope that he would get picked to travel along with Swami to Kodaikanal. And the way the boys would get picked for the Kodai trip also, as you know, Prem, it would uh, vary. Sometimes a month in advance, Bhagwan tells the student that be ready. I'm taking you to Kodaikanal. sometimes a week before the scheduled departure he tells a student it has also happened that some students have been informed on the day of departure where swami tells them that there's just two hours now get ready you're coming to kodaikanal right and if i'm not mistaken there has also been a case where swami is on his way to kodaikanal and on the way he has told somebody to join the retinue so till the point comes where swami actually leaves either puttaparthi or brindavan from wherever he is starting usually it would be brindavan till he leaves that place people would actually have hope the student would actually have hope that you know it is possible that i might get to accompany my lord and that is exactly the feeling we see among the different people dasharatha he never expresses physically that he would like to accompany rama to the forest right but you can see from his uh, eagerness and enthusiasm as far as it would allow you know just imagine he is a ruler means if he runs down the steps crying out to rama to stop it's like the prime minister or a president of a nation coming running out, out of the residence and walking on the street like a commoner that is a big enough indication in itself the citizens of ayodhya they follow rama as much as possible and in the end they to make the same plea saying that rama let us accompany you let us be with you because an ayodhya without rama is not ayodhya an aranya a forest with rama becomes ayodhya for us and finally sumantra too on his part he also says the same thing he says rama please let me come wanting to stay with rama i could totally empathize with sumantra i mean now when we look at the ramayana we know that it was only lakshmana and sita who accompanied rama mm. you know so we you know even when sumantra is making all that last minute please we kind of know that you know that's not possible you know that's not how mm. ramayana is after all correct and uh, in fact interestingly once i was uh, with a friend of mine who was uh, reading the adhyatmik ramayana you know there is that hindi manuscript i think one of the authors has rewritten the ramayana adhyatma ramayana means the spiritual significance of ramayana it's uh, not completely the spiritual significance the story mm. is the same okay but it is written in a very very lofty context okay it is uh, written with the view that this is not one ramayana this is one part in the cycle of the creation and you know with that kind of a perspective mm. so he was reading this and lot of people do this parayanam and all that you know and that uh, one particular argument which happens between sita and lord rama about you know whether she can accompany the brothers to the forest and after all the argument you know sita in that he pointed that out to me in that book sita says that okay all this is fine but don't you know that every ramayana sita comes along with rama mm. so why do you want to change it this time mm-hmm. <laughs> you know it's always like that but of course the beauty of this situation as i was saying is you know sumantra does not know after all sita has talked her way into winning the chance lakshmana has managed to convince rama that he can tag along so i think he's making that last minute plea but uh, one thing which you would see in different situations you know in the arguments which rama placed in front of his mother 
in the argument which he is going to place in front of Sumantra and later we will see it in the case of his brother Bharata is the importance of you know sticking to one's dharma one's duty mm. he says that you are not my minister you are the minister of Ayodhya you are the minister of my king so you do not have the right to stay back here this is not a choice that you can make that is one thing which uh, Rama tells Sumantra in that argument and uh, I mean once it's fixed that he cannot stay he says that all right, you are following your dharma, it is fine, but why should Mother Sita go through this? Why can't she come along with me? And even as I was coming to leave you in the forest, that's what Dashrata sent me saying, saying that I'm sure that Rama will not agree to come back because he's taken uh, my word seriously, but you can at least plead with Sita that she can come back and stay here or if she feels that staying here would not be a right option, she can at least go and stay with her parents. And so he puts forth that argument And that argument is based on the assumption that Sita is undergoing great hardships while going in the forest. And very courteously, with all love and humility and reverence, Mother Sita explains to Sumantra, saying that there cannot be a greater joy in her life. Basically, she puts forth the same arguments that she had put forth to her Lord Rama, that there cannot be a greater joy in her life other than wanting to be with Rama desirous to stay with Rama and wherever he is, it is the greatest pleasure for her and greatest privilege too. If you recall, she had also said that throughout her life, she had never got this opportunity to actually serve Rama because in the palace, Rama has so many attendants, maidservants and there are others who take care of his needs. He has a great privilege that is being granted to her to take care of the physical needs of Rama and she would not want to lose that opportunity. So, Sumantra you know, it's only a matter of time before he realizes that there's nothing else that can be done other than steer his chariot Ayodhya words. And that's what he does. He takes his chariot and turns towards Ayodhya. And Swami writes so beautifully, he says that even the horses were constantly looking back at Rama, Lakshmana and Sita. It appeared as if they too did not want to go back to Ayodhya. They too wanted to stay with Rama. And this is very beautiful because it shows that Even nature, the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom and the apparently lifeless things also. Things like stones and rocks and boats and houses as we shall soon see. Every animate and inanimate thing in the universe suffers pangs of separation from the Lord and pines to be one with the Lord. It is so beautifully portrayed here. In fact, I was reminded of the episode in Dharmakshetra Mm -hmm. where uh, Swami was distributing saris. And the four saris that he had not distributed and left were found to be wet. And that was when Swami revealed that they are crying because they feel they have been rejected by Swami. So, you see this feeling of love for the Lord, missing Him and wanting to be with Him, wanting to be of some service to Him is common that runs throughout the animal kingdom, the plant kingdom, the inanimate and the animate kingdoms. So, that is how even the horses look back and they seem to be shedding tears. But Sumantra drives them on and that is how Sumantra and the horses take their leave of the company of the trio. Just uh, not able to resist (laughs) narrating another thing. When you said about the crying saris, Mm -hmm. I think about four or five years senior to us, the batch which was there, Mm-hmm. When they were in school, you know, the, the tradition of you, the 10th standard students who were passing out of the school or the 12th standard students would get an interview with Swami. You know, it, it would almost become like a birthright. 
Swami, you're supposed to give a 10 standard interview. You're supposed to give a passing out interview to the MSC boys, the BSC boys. Mm. No, that is the beauty of the whole thing. <laughs> Here is Swami, even in the worldly sense, you know, mm. even if you were to forget the fact that he was the avatar, he was the God, even in the worldly sense, he definitely was nothing short of a global figure. But you know, as young children, we could take that right with Swami, say that this is something which you you owe to us. You know, it's almost like that. So one of these batches, I think four to five years senior to us, when they were in 10th standard, Swami had called them for an interview and it seems that was some something out of the world, that session which they, they had. Because Swami was very, very intimate with all of them and Swami was literally one among the children, you know, playing pranks and... And uh, even as that interview was progressing, it seems one of the boys looked up at the wall and he said, Swami, your interview room is leaking because he found that there was a patch of water on the wall. Okay. He said, Swami, your interview room is leaking. Maybe a top some tap is open. And Swami said, Dunnapota, that is not tap leaking. Seeing the love that I'm showering on you, the walls are shedding tears of joy. <laughs> wow. And it seems all of those boys saw that, you know, that whole wall was wet because it's impossible that Swami's interview room could leak, anybody would let it, you know, go to that state. Actually, if you see the interview room, it's not made of bricks like on normal other buildings. It's made of solid stones. That is what we discovered, right, when we were uh, having that satsang on the Satyam Shum Sundaram and right. the construction of Prashantinilyam. So, yeah, scientifically, it's quite tough, <laughs> it's, if not impossible, for the walls to be wet like that. Amazing, beautiful, yes. So, you have brought out the other facet that not only do they feel the pangs of suffering, they are able to even feel the joy that radiates within everyone in the Lord's presence. And so, just as the saris shed tears of separation and because of pangs of suffering, the wall shed tears of joy in the presence of the Lord. So, so beautiful. And uh, after this, of course, Sumantra is leaving and then comes the point where this beautiful episode from the Ramayana. You know, there are uh, some episodes, of course, you know, the killing of Ravana is supposed to, is one of the landmark episodes. The breaking of the bow is a landmark episode. There are so many of these episodes which actually define this Rama avatar. But there are also some of these very subtle episodes which apparently are quite insignificant. But Ramayana is definitely not complete without these episodes. You know, you don't complete a story of Ramayana without mentioning some of these episodes. Because in a sense... This is what an avatar comes to do. It comes to relate to individuals. And the episode we are mentioning is that of the beautiful feelings and sentiments that a boatman from the kingdom of Guha or from the whatever fiefdom or whatever that is, province of Guha exhibits towards Lord Sri Rama. Now Guha takes upon himself the responsibility of seeing Rama pass through his entire kingdom and reach safely at a particular hermitage in the forest, he says, Rama, please, see, my domain extends till there. So, till the end of my domain, let me get the opportunity to accompany you. And just as Rama had permitted Sumantra to accompany him till the end of his domain, his region, he has allowed Guha also. And that is how Guha comes onto the banks of the Ganga. Now, they have to go to the other side. And Premi, have you seen the Ganga, the river Ganga? No, I have not had the opportunity. You know, in the beginning when you see the Ganga being born, it begins as a small stream. Towards the end, these regions where Rama is now, Mm -hmm. the Ganga is pretty impressive, mighty, large. Mm. It's almost spanning nearly half to one kilometer in breadth, not in... And this is the middle stages of the Ganges. So, it's a real mighty perennial river and this river has to be crossed. 
and that is why the services of a boatman are summoned the boatman is summoned and guha tells him that you know we have to take rama lakshmana sita that is when he brings up a beautiful argument he says see rama i have heard a lot about how your feet touched a rock and it became a woman became ahalya you see i have a boat which is made up of many logs of wood mm-hmm. what if by the touch of your feet all those logs of wood become women i am having a very hard time managing my wife at home how can i manage these extra women whom i am sure you will put it on my head because you say that they arose out of my boat rama is now perplexed and he says so what do you suggest he says rama see it is not the fault of your feet this is how the poet writes there he says it is not the fault of your feet o rama it is the fault of the dust that cling on to your feet those dust no they have very magical transformative properties and i am really scared of that dust and therefore rama please give me the opportunity let me remove all the dust from your feet so that they don't transform my boat into a woman or something else once i have cleaned that please walk over my hand so that your feet don't get dusty again and enter the boat that is the only condition if you don't follow this i am not ready to allow you to enter the boat and needless to say rama understands the depths of devotion with which kevat is asking for this so he allows him to wash his feet of all the dust and in that poem which i was referring to mm-hmm. the poet writes that the boatman and all his family members partake of that holy water as tirtham and then rama for his joy walks on the hand of the boatman and his family before getting onto the boat and thus everybody gets a free padanamaskar and charanamrit and that is how lord shri rama enters the boat and uh, i think one of the other poets uh, describes this scene as one of the vows which rama has in the avatar is of course not to reveal his divinity not to carry himself in a manner that people would identify him as an avatar mm so one of those things which he used to do for this protection of his identity was he would not allow anybody to worship him worship his feet or offer any kind of worship to him hmm so it seems this kevat who knew this fact he realized that this was the only way it can be done <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he insists that you know before you get onto my boat you should allow me to wash your feet and he says that moment his feet is washed he ensures that everybody in the village partake of that tirtha mend sanctify the lives but you know this is the beautiful episode and i remember i think in the, in the year 2004 when we dramatized this in front of swami mm. in fact we had done it in a, a little different way it was not a complete drama in front of swami there was a person who was describing the scene and there was one boy who was acting as the skewert okay and he was delivering all the dialogues looking at swami mm. if rama was to be in swami's place how he would talk to rama oh okay and uh, you know literally swami was also conversing with him of course he was not talking but the way swami was listening to him was i mean absolutely if rama was swami was to say something as rama there you know that's how it would have been swami was literally conversing with him and this boy was saying and i still remember how swami actually became so emotional when you know at that point where he starts washing his feet and of course at the did other, the boy wash swami's feet he actually pretended as so he went close to swami's feet huh. and he was you know miming the act of washing swami's feet wow. there and swami was very keenly watching you know what is he doing <laughs> <laughs> and of course after that came the other part which really moved swami and swami became emotional and that was the part when rama sita and lakshmana and guha travel in this boat they cross this river 
And even as they reach the other side of the bank, Rama shows some kind of discomfort, mm. which immediately Sita recognizes. She understands that uh, Lord Rama feels very uncomfortable that he's not able to give anything as a remuneration to this boatman. Because, for the services right, rendered. For the services that he has received. So, you know, he looks around and he, you know, he's not wearing any jewels. So, the story goes, of course, that Mother Sita is allowed to wear a few jewels, which we'll also see as part of the story, which comes much later. Hmm. So, immediately she removes one of the rings, which is there in her finger, and gives it to Rama. Again, no words are spoken. Rama does not ask anything of Sita or Lakshmana. Sita realizes that this is the thing which is going on in his mind. So, she removes that ring, gives it to Rama. And Rama instantly gives it to that boatman and he says for your services I have nothing more to give but keep this as a payment mm. and uh, that is when this man says that no no I cannot take anything from you you have given me this opportunity I have taken you across I cannot take this from you and he says no you have to take this because I have to give you something right so then he I think there are two things which he says that one thing is this chance itself is enough and if you want to give me a payment let me ask you for a payment that after 14 years when you go back Give me this opportunity again. That is one thing he says. And uh, there's another very, very beautifully dramatized part, portion of this same episode. I remember hearing a song by Sri Anup Jalota, where the person, you know, the boatman, he tells Rama, Rama, see, I am morally not allowed to take payment from you. So Rama is again in a fix. You know, it happens so many times. You would have seen this, especially I have seen it when in interactions between Professor Anil Kumar and Swami, Mm -hmm. where Professor Anil Kumar begins saying something very creatively. And Swami also encourages him, eggs him on. You can see Swami is also curious and wants to see where this is headed to. Mm -hmm. So it's such a beautiful thing to see this kind of interaction between the Lord and the devotee. So here Rama is also now curious. He wants to know where this is going. So he tells the boatman, so why are you morally obligated not to take anything from me? He says, because Rama, people of the same profession don't pay each other. What do you mean? And you know, in that song, as I said, Anup Jalota Ji, he sings, he says, Nai Sena Nai Le Dhobi Sena Dhobi. You know, one tailor, when he does some help for the other tailor, he does not charge him any money. A Dhobi, a washerman, if he, it happens many times that in Parthi itself, you see, there are multiple Dhobis and they all wash in the same spot. Sometimes it so happens that One dhobi has extra clothes, one dhobi has less clothes that particular day. It's not as if, so you will see one washerman washing clothes only for half an hour and walking away and the other washing on for two hours. They all wash together and they return together. So there it is not asked that I wash two of your clothes, pay me this much. So between dhobis also, there is no kind of monetary exchange. Rama now says, okay, that I agree. But what are you suggesting? I mean, are you trying to say we both belong to the same profession? Mm-hmm. Of course, Rama, we both belong to the same profession. How? Both of us are boatmen. And then, you know, so beautifully in all his devotion, the boatman says, Oh, Rama, I am a boatman who has ferried you across this little river. I mean, across this little distance on this river. But Rama, you are the cosmic boatman who will ferry all of us Across the ocean, the ocean that we call Bhavasagara. So Rama, if you want to pay me in return, I have taken you across this little water body. In return, I would seek 
that you take me across that bhavasagara so when both of us are boatmen ferrying each one across what is the need for payment so beautifully so poetically put and you know it is so tactful and intelligent on the boatman's behalf we all should learn from that let us not be satisfied with a, a ring or a chain that he gives us let us seek from him freedom from all the chains that ever bind us let us seek from him the greatest thing seeking which we will never have to seek again and that is the lesson we can learn from this kevad the boatman who so beautifully asks for this very boon from rama and rama is so pleased and that is how our swami too will be when we actually ask him what he has come to give us because this is what rama actually came to give everyone and swami says i give you in the beginning what you ask so that one day you will ask what i have come to give it will be great joy for us and for swami too if we ask for that what he has come to give you were talking about rama being pleased and this was the very episode which we depicted there and swami broke down and swami mm. was so emotional when you know that dialogue came where the boatman says that you and i are one in the same i ferry people across this river but you ferry people across the ocean of samsara and you know that is the beautiful thing too you can say this about a boatman even a dobi can say this to the lord you know even somebody who is let's say a director of a drama can say this to the lord exactly <laughs> if i may you know say here there is also a song again it's by anup jalota ji he has sung it he has immortalized that song it goes as maili chadar od ke kaise dwar right. tumhare aao which means how can i come to your doorstep with my dirty clothes where the body and mind combination is being considered as the clothes that the soul wears so in that sense i remember swami saying to a student that he is like the dhobi i will wash wash away and he points to his white handkerchief and says this is your mind when it gets dirty i am the divine dhobi who will wash so as you said a boatman can feel kinship with swami being a boatman a dhobi can feel kinship with swami being a dhobi a student can feel kinship with swami being a student i think that is why this episode is highlighted because many times when you see you know when we go about uh, the ramayana or any life of the avatar what gets highlighted is maybe the vanquishing of that one villain or that one bad man mm. but swami is many times mentioned and i think a couple of weeks back when we were talking we mentioned that where swami says that the primary role that an avatar comes to play is to give you an opportunity to relate to him right and that is why this episode is important because here is one individual who is illiterate who is after all a tribesman who is professional his profession is only to row the boat but he has clinched it really he is kind of nailed it as what an avatar comes for and he has done it he is related to the lord and that is why i think whenever ramayana has said this is always mentioned and in fact you know when we did that particular ramayana in front of swami mm-hmm. this is how it starts we are going to play that bhajan mm-hmm. this bhajan is sung by one boy and then another boy gets up and says when you're talking of somebody like rama who is the emperor of the realm why are we mentioning a kevat a boatman a boatman you know what is so great about a boatman that he gets a mention in a bhajan which is in praise of lord rama and that's how the whole story comes so i think maybe we should listen to that song and uh, as rendered by and immortalized by anup jalota exactly
कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़ी कभी कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े कभी कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़े कभी कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े छोड़ प्रभु बन को धाई सिया राम लखन गंगा तक आई अवध छोड़ प्रभु बन को धाई सिया राम लखन गंगा तक आई केवट मन ही मन हर्षाए घर बैठे प्रभु दर्शन पाए हाथ जोड़कर प्रभु के आगे केवट मगन खड़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े कभी कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े हरे पार हमें केवट पहुंचाओ प्रभु बोले तुम नाव चलाओ हरे पार हमें केवट पहुंचाओ केवट बोला सुनो हमारी चरण फूल की माया भारी मैं गरीब नैया मेरी नारी ना होए पड़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े कभी कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े
चली नाव गंगा की धारा सिया राम लखन को पार उतारा चली नाव गंगा की धारा सिया राम लखन को पार उतारा प्रभु देने लगे नाव उतराई केवट कहे नहीं रघुराई पार किया मैंने तुमको अब तू मुझे पार करे जाना गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े कभी कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े वट दौड़ के जल भर लाया चरण धोए चरणामृत पाया केवट दौड़ के जल भर लाया चरण धोए चरणामृत पाया वेद ग्रंथ जिनके यश गाए केवट उनको नाव चढ़ाए बरसे फूल गगन से ऐसे भक्त के भाग बढ़े जाना गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े कभी कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़े कभी कभी भगवान को भी भक्तों से काम पड़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े जाना था गंगा पार प्रभु केवट की नाव चढ़े वेलकम बैक डियर लिस्नर्स एंड दैट वॉज दैट ब्यूटिफुल सॉन्ग विच वॉज रेंडर्ड बाई अनुप जलोटा एंड दिस वॉज दैट एपिसोड एज वी सेड वेरी वेरी ब्यूटिफुल वेरी ब्यूटिफुल फॉर द फैक्ट that this is what an avatar literally comes for where we are able to relate to the lord and you know even as students many times we would see this of course for the outside world we would see that swami is like a mother like a father like a master very strict but many many times swami was also part of our mischief swami would also join our because as swami would say that i am a child among children it really meant that way you know many many times so that is one of the beautiful things in this episode moving ahead with the story so now the trio have crossed the river ganga and they are on the other side and very shortly the forests will be beginning 
they are now headed to a holy spot where the three rivers are meeting it's called the prayag and it's on the banks of this prayag this confluence of rivers that a great venerable sage sage bharadwaja has set up his hermitage and ashram and since this still comes under the precincts of guha guha accompanies rama lakshmana and sita right. so all four of them head towards the ashram of sage bharadwaja and again it's a beautiful description we would have to just read out from the ramkatha rasavahini <laughs> because the way swami writes as to the love that exists between bharadwaja and rama the warmth with which sage bharadwaja receives rama it is impossible to describe it in such a manner unless you have received it so it is almost like swami speaking from his experience of how it felt to receive the love of a devotee and bharadwaja's eyes are filled with ecstasy there are tears streaming down his cheeks he lovingly embraces rama and he tells rama that you know rama the reason why i have set up my ashram and hermitage here is because i knew that one day you will be coming here and i have been waiting for this day it's so amazing and beautiful we think that it is kaikey who is responsible for <laughs> kicking rama out into the forest but even before that happened you know sage bharadwaja's hermitage has been in existence for much for many years before that sage bharadwaja says that i knew that you will be coming this way and therefore i am grateful to mother kaikey for being the instrument for your will to happen and therefore today my heart is filled with joy you know i have known the greatest bliss and the entire purpose of the existence of my life and the existence of this ashram everything is fulfilled by your visit and it is with that love that he embraces rama the interesting thing is guha's reaction on seeing this <laughs> when guha sees this he is filled with ecstasy and he is overwhelmed you know because guha has such reverence for bharadwaja of course he has reverence for rama and love for rama but seeing bharadwaja the sage bharadwaja you know he is an elderly person very old sage with such love and reverence the way he is receiving rama seeing this guha is simply awestruck he is amazed he is overwhelmed with surprise he starts telling himself oh what a great good fortune that i have got you know that i have got the chance to interact with rama who is this you know rama is the one who is adored and worshiped by a person who has got hundreds of years of penance behind him such a venerable person rama is such a loved person rama is oh how great is my good fortune as i was reading this prayer i thought about how many times you know we feel how lucky we are when we look at the devotion and the love that other devotees or other students or other people show towards swami it is when we are able to compare with those people who have physically or in a worldly sense received less than us that we really feel how lucky we are in fact before seeing such devotees seeing such people we often do not realize uh, the magnitude of the grace that has been conferred on us i will uh, you know highlight this with that little episode mm-hmm. where swami during a kodai trip i don't know whether it was towards kodaikanal or coming back from kodaikanal when they were passing through the forests swami was in the bus with the students and he said that there are elephants nearby and everybody was looking out to see the elephant finally they see some trees moving and they see a little tail shaking and one of the boys spots it and it with great glee and joy he says Swami the elephant is here the elephant i can see the tail i can see the tail and all the students you know start poking their heads out of the windows trying to locate the tail of the elephant 
That is when Swami said, Boys, do you know that right opposite to your hostel is Sai Gita. Every day there is Sai Gita, not only the tail of the elephant, her foot, her leg, her trunk, her tusk, everything, the whole elephant is there for you to see. But do you get this joy and excitement? But today, now here when you are able to see just the tail of the elephant, you are getting so excited. You know, and when this contrast is presented, we really feel foolish about ourselves. Yes, the elephant is there right before us to see. That is what happens in our case with Swami also. I am sure many students would have had this experience where Swami takes them along with him to Kodekanal. And on the first day, they are on cloud nine and they get up early and they are in full, you know, spiritual fervor. We used to call it as AIDS, AIDS, <laughs> acquiring intense devotion suddenly. But that lasts only for a day or two. After two, three days in Kodakanal, it feels like your entire life is like this only. It feels normal. You don't feel your heart leaping up, the flutters being created within you when Swami opens the door and comes out for morning darshan. I feel that is the challenge for us as devotees and disciples of Swami. To be able to keep that feeling of flutter in the heart, you know, butterflies flying across and a, a heart leaping out in joy whenever we hear about him, see him or think about him. So, this was the experience of Guha and reading how Swami writes that Guha felt his life is blessed because of the veneration that Rama received from Bharadwaja. This is what I remembered and I feel this is a lesson that we all ought to make part of our lives. Right. Even as you are describing that, I am reminded of how uh, when Swami performed, I mean, when had the organized that uh, international cricket match, you know, mm. because being children being brought up in India, we all always idolize the cricketers and uh, we find that as a pinnacle of achievement. You know, we always, as school children, we always feel that, you know, a Sachin Tendulkar, Kapil Dev, you know, that's the highest you can go. But when Swami organized that match, there was one of the students who were recollecting, you know, that Swami had come one day to inspect the ground. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, with him were the greats, like you know, Sunil Gavaskar of course was there, there was I think E.A.'s Prasanna, Airbus he was Prasanna. right. Mm-hmm. He was in charge of the pitch and there was of course uh, Gundappa Vishwanath was there and of all of them, the top Sachin Tenhulka was there, mm-hmm. that was the first day he had come, so Swami had brought him and Swami was asking him to inspect the pitch, Swami was telling him, Deko, Deko, see how it is, see if it is fine, see it is, if it is prepared well, you know, up to the professional standard. And he was like saying that Swami, I don't have to see because from his point of view, somebody like A.S. Prasanna and Sunil Gavaskar has overseen the making of that pitch. But that scene as described by one of the students who was seeing from the stands, you know, they were having a dignified distance from Swami because for them, Swami was a great personality as even like some of the Pakistani cricketers uh, had shared later. He said, see, according to the Islamic tradition, we cannot revere anybody as God, but he is as much as Muhammad for us. And that itself was something great mm. coming from one of those very, very staunch Islamic devotees. But you know, that was the awe with which they were seeing Swami. And when Swami walked into the ground, there were these boys who were actually the star cricketers of the university, <laughs> but ball boys for that game. You know, when Swami walked into the ground, all these boys were around Swami and you know, Swami was uh, cracking some jokes and talking to some of those boys there. And the cricketers were looking at this scene with such reverence. They're saying that here is the Swami, we are keeping such a dignified distance from him and we are so reverentially talking to him. And Swami walks into the ground like he walks every day and he's talking into a bunch of his own friends. You know, that was when this boy said, how much we are getting, how much intimacy we are getting. 
you kind of step back and realize who you are living with when you see those whom you revere and whom you idolize come and worship the lord whom you live with and the other beautiful episode which happens in this baradwaja ashram is very very significant because after staying overnight rama sita and lakshmana they wake up early in the morning and they have to go and do their morning prayers and ablutions so lord rama walks up to sage baradwaja and says sage aren't you accompanying us shall we go to the river banks to do mm. our morning uh, puja mm. and you know the answer which baradwaja gives is very very profound mm. he says rama all these years as you said you know i have set up this ashram here i have been doing penance here i have been doing three times a worship in a day everything i have been doing for this moment when i would come face to face with you i would have your darshan sparshan and sambhashan do you think i'm a fool to continue this do you think i am like that fool who takes medicine even after the disease is cured he says you have come for a drama you can continue your drama i am not going to participate in it anymore i know who you are and when he speaks of that disease it is the disease of bhavaroga the disease of worldliness and as you mentioned bharadwaja saying this i am reminded of another episode the indoor stadium was being constructed you know it was constructed in a record time of just about 120 days right. and uh, if you remember towards the end i think it was during our postgraduate days as we stayed in the hostel we could see across right. that it was being built and it was like seeing lego blocks <laughs> building coming up you know right. every day you see some progress new new structures being added so as this was being built it was built in a record time and towards the end actually swami began to regularly visit the indoor stadium to oversee what was happening and one such occasion i remember swami distributed gifts and showered a lot of love and blessings on all the workers who were building you know this is something very rare of course the workers are paid their salaries they have their wages but you know the head of the organization even if you see from a forget the divine point of view the head of organization coming it's something like say shri ratan tata of tata motors coming and talking to the workers mm-hmm. there equivalent to like that you know swami coming and speaking to all the i was there taking photographs i remember i climbed up one of the high areas so that i could get a picture i think those pictures are there still beautiful picture of swami's car in the center of the unfinished indoor stadium and all the workers seated around and some of them crowding around the car after that session as swami's car left as we were walking out you know we overheard a few workers speaking with each other one of them was saying today if anybody asks for my eyes i can give it off i have no further need for my eyes because they have seen god you know this might be a momentary emotion but even then it is such profound it is so profound it shows that the presence of god is so huge and so tremendous that one need not actually be a gyani to feel it even a lay person a layman a construction worker is able to feel that presence and is able to say a statement as profound as today you can take away my eyes they have already seen god there nothing left in the world to see so it is very natural we can totally understand that sage bharadwaja was able to say that because after all he is a gyani he is a wise sage when the lord's presence makes even an apparently low common person into a gyani what to say of what it impact it has on gyanis you know even as you were narrating this so many memories of, especially of you know when suddenly it hits you how great a personality you're living with i'm reminded of uh, during our sports meet practice sessions 
Mm. We would have these trainers coming in from the army. They would be on their vacation, but they would come in for 10 days. They would train us in uh, March past and all that. So we had this uh, man, a very, very strict uh, Subedar from the army. He Mm. used to be, you know, very jovial person, but very strict. And, you know, he would really break our backs trying to get us uh, into some marching shape. So we were in Brindavan then. He was there in Brindavan with us. And uh, that was a time when uh, General Mehta was still in charge of Northern Command. Mm. So he had come to Puttaparthi for Darshan. He had Swami and he was also overseeing the preparation for the sports meet where you know, these army men had come as the, the university had asked for. So he came to Brindavan. So he came when one of our marching sessions were going on. And imagine he was coming and telling us how to march. Oh my so God. He was saying that, see, you're bending your elbow. You shouldn't do that. And you should lift your knee as much as possible and all that. And in the corner, this man was standing and seeing with so much awe. And after that uh, session, he went and shook hands with the general and all that. And then he came and told us, do you have any idea who is coming and teaching you how to march? (laughs) He said, if I go back to my contingent and if I tell them I shook hands with the general, I would be given a VIP treatment. And he said, I don't know about your Satasai Baba, but I've shook hands with my general. (laughs) He was saying, that's an amazing thing for me. And he was like in awe. He said, the general of the army, he's coming and teaching you how to march. And we were, what, nothing more than straplings, you know. That was the awe with which he saw this thing. And I'm sure that would have struck a chord in him. That here is, I mean, for an army man, that's like the highest uh, post one can aspire for. And he is coming and falling at the feet of this master. And very, very truly, you know, this was in Brindavan. And after a few weeks, when we came to Prashantanilyam, this man too also traveled with us, you know, to continue the training. So till then, he was teaching us the army training. You know, he would say that you should have that fierceness in your eyes and you should march like an army man and all that. And I remember just a couple of sessions when Swami came and saw the march uh, march pass and all that. And he was still training us. He came and said, you are marching in front of God. Do you realize that? You know, the (laughs) way he was training was completely different. And when you walk towards the dais, when you have to look right, you know, that dainy dek comes. He said, smile. Swami is sitting there. <laughs> you know, you're going to march past the dais where the Lord of the Universe is no, sitting. No more of the killer no instinct. Of, yeah, no more of that army uh, intensity. He said, smile. Smile with all your heart because Swami is sitting there. You know, we could see the change happening in some of these people who would come to Swami. And in you know, many ways in which Swami does it, really. And yes, so this is what happened. That <laughs> Going back to the story, right. you know, we keep... <laughs> we can't help this. It is so beautiful. So, going back to the story... Bharadwaja is thrilled beyond any measure and Rama then tells Bharadwaja that it is now time for them to take leave from there also. They have to proceed because they have to go to the forests. And that is when, you know, Bharadwaja beckons to four of his pupils and tells them to help guide Rama towards where he has to proceed. And Swami writes that these four students therefore get the beautiful chance of serving Rama. And you know, each point when we read, at each point when we read the Ramkata Rasavahini, it brings back that Arama Chandrude, Arama Chandrude. You know, that poem where Swami says that the Lord comes in human form to spread love and foster love, recognize His people and confer them with joy. Because though Ramayana is summarized as the story of how Rama kills Ravana and rescues Sita, you will see there are so many little, little stories where Rama is touching so many hearts. And here four other pupils 
get delighted at this chance that they have secured to journey with Rama at least for some distance. And therefore, they walk along with him, relishing his presence and, you know, charging themselves with beautiful memories till they reach the river Yamuna. And it is at the river Yamuna that the four pupils return back, having performed their duty with great joy. Again, you know, comparing it with Swami, I feel this is equivalent to the joy of the escort boys who would escort Swami to some distance when Swami was leaving. And that is how... That time also, incidentally, there would be four bikes and four boys. So, possibly the same kind of four pupils, they get to escort Rama up to a certain point. And as they return, Rama tells even Guha that, you know, now it is time that you also return. You have reached the edge. From here, we will carry on on our own. And again, there is one more, just like in Sumantra's case, Guha too tries his best. He says, I know the forest very well. Let me accompany you. I will be an asset for you in the forest. If not anything, I will just get the chance to serve you. Let me be with you. But Rama again convinces him. He says, he may not convince him, but he says that you have to listen and in order to obey his lord implicitly, Guha also agrees and Guha returns back while the trio proceed ahead. And uh, this is another beautiful thing in in the whole of Ramayana. You would always find you know, the Lord touching the lives of certain characters. Mm. And you would see that the characters whom we remember today are those that had their lives changed after that tryst. And uh, the way they changed would be completely different. Like one character which we just met was Sage Bharadwaja. Mm. He said that this is it. You know, this is going to be a mark of flux in my life. You know, this is the culmination of whatever I did. Mm. You would see the same thing happening in the life of Shabri. Hmm. She says that I have waited for this and Ahalya. there is no more after this in the life of Ahalya. In the life of Hanuman, hmm. he says that now I have met the Lord. There is no more kingdom for me. There is no more kinsman for me. He is my master. And imagine, I mean, he very uh, effortlessly, he, you know, he was serving Sugriva. He starts serving Rama. He goes to Lanka. He comes back to Ayodhya. There is no parting ways after that. So I think everybody, every person, as you were narrating about those four pupils of the Bharadwaj Ashram who come, they too were touched by that love of Lord Rama because that presence is so powerful. I think it's a sign for all of us. Mm. We all, when we go through this journey with Swami, we all have had that moment where, that emotionally very high moment, where we are ready to do anything at that moment. But how are we able to hold on to that emotion? How are we hold on to able to hold on to that thought? Because I'm reminded, you know, when we were talking to one of the old devotees, mm who had taken Swami on a tour to some of these small towns in, uh, I think, Tamil Nadu. Mm -hmm. They would drive around Swami and all that. And he was uh, narrating this one particular incident. They had taken Swami to one very small town in southern India. And Swami had uh, had lunch in somebody's house. Most of the people did not know Swami. This was in the early 60s. Mm. So even as Swami was coming out of this devotee's house, there was this one very ordinary man who was Mm -hmm. just standing at the gate near the road. And he was smoking his beady. Okay. <laughs> and he was like very looking at this person very uh, surprisingly because first of all, Swami was looking quite weird, <laughs> understandably. Mm. And the kind of treatment which Swami was given, you know, there were so much of people, all the rich people in the town, they were all around him and uh, he was just wondering who is this person. So he was seeing Swami, he was just standing at the roadside and he was seeing Swami and Swami got into the car and he wanted to have a closer look at Swami. But this fellow, what he did, he took a puff of his beedi. Beedi is an Indian yeah, cigarette. Indian cigarette. You know? hmm. So he peeped into the car and he smoked into the car. Oh, okay. Okay, uh. and uh, this devotee was saying that Swami was actually, used to be, and always is, very, very allergic to that smell of cigarette and beedi. 
In fact, there are times when Swami would, somebody would smoke and come in Swami's presence and Swami would not eat the whole day. He would say that, no, I'm having stomach pains. And he would start vomiting because that smell of cigarette Swami was so allergic to. So these devotees who were with Swami knew that how you know allergic Swami is to the smell and this guy smoked that BD smoke right into the car, literally on Swami's face. So you can imagine the people around the car just pounced on this fellow and started pounding him you know, for doing something like that. Immediately Swami got out of the car and Swami stopped them and Swami called this boy who was clueless. He didn't know what has happened because he didn't even know why he was being beaten up. So Swami called this devotee who had invited Swami to the town and Swami said, open the car dicky. There's a basket of fruits. So Swami asked for that basket and Swami, you know, picks up a few big apples and gives it to this boy and puts an arm around this boy and he says, why do you want to smoke? It's not good for your health. Try to gradually stop that. And this boy is like dazed. You know, he has no clue of what has happened. And without much ado, Swami gets into the car and leaves. And this devotee says that even as Swami's car was leaving, he fell flat, Sashtang, on that road. Oh. And he says, I will not smoke anymore. For this Swami, I will stop. Oh my God. Mm. You know, I think this kind of uh, tryst will happen in many people's life. But I think the challenge is how many are able to hold on to it and transform their lives after that. Exactly. It is not only about intensity, but also about consistency. Spirituality is intensity with consistency. Some of us are consistently (laughs) boring and (laughs) placid. We need intensity in our life. Some of us have go up and down like a sine wave curve, highly intense and then depressed next moment. Such people we need consistency. It is intensity and consistency, Shraddha and Saburi, faith and perseverance, both which are needed, which will please the Lord. Then, you know, as the trio proceed, Swami writes that they reach a place of heavenly beauty, wonderful buildings, wonderful places. And this is Amaravati. And as they arrive at Amravati... It's not Amravati. They say that it is so beautiful that it is like Amravati. Oh, okay. Amravati is the town of... Uh, Lord Indra. Lord Indra. Ah, exactly. So they say that this town is so beautiful that it might well be Amravati. (laughs) Oh, is it? Okay. (laughs) Because, you know, in uh, towards the north of Andhra Pradesh, there is indeed a place called Amravati. Okay. So I just uh, maybe got confused while reading it. Okay. So they feel this place is so beautiful like Amravati. And... uh, That is when, you know, they see a lot of people gathering around them. And here, Swami writes as to when these people gather, they are all instantly attracted by these people, by the trio. And they wonder who it is because they are so handsome and wonderful and beautiful like uh, princes or kings. And yet they walk and trod the street just like commoners. So are they special commoners? Or are they kings with some kind of... They just are unable to make out. And they frankly, you know, in awe, they ask. They ask to the trio that, please tell us who you are. The men and women both ask them. And here Swami says that, you know, what answer that Mother Sita gives to them and what Rama gives is an elaborate one where they explain. But what is interesting is, Swami says that Mother Sita answers to the women and Rama answers to the men. It was amazing, you know. Uh, This is something that I definitely would like to highlight because see, in every action they did, they brought out that. And Swami also highlights those. When Swami narrates this, when Swami would narrate this in a discourse, it would automatically imbibe in us this feeling that this is what Swami expects. Rama speaks to the men and Sita speaks to the women. Rama could have as well answered. 
in fact the when you read ramkatha savahini you will realize that some of the women seeing rama they are mesmerized with his handsomeness the same happened to the men also they are struck by the beauty of sita but rama sticks i mean you know if, if rama had just spoken to the women he would have had an adoring crowd around him it's not as if uh, it is not possible but rama did not do it rama stuck to speaking to the men and sita stuck to speaking to the women and the most important thing what i'm trying to say is swami chooses to highlight this this is a very insignificant thing i mean i don't think it's there in valmiki ramayana that valmiki writes that you know rama spoke to the men and sita spoke to the women they would just have said rama said sita said but swami is highlighting this because this is what is important this is what he expects and when we read this unconsciously it builds in us we may not know the next time we are in a meeting this is what i have seen happening to me prem that i am more comfortable speaking to men than to women and it is not stage fear it is not embarrassment it is just unconsciously it is there this happens and why i told all this is because i feel when people sometimes say that this ramayana is a fiction after all what is so great about ramayana it's a fictional story so there is no proof that it happened see it has happened because that is what swami has told us but leave that aside suppose it has not happened also what is the kind of fiction would you like to expose yourself and your children to today when i see children you know <laughs> it's really really sad the cartoon network the kind of exposure they they get to guns to shooting to killing in video games pokemon people run around taking names of pokemon children run around taking name of pokemon and they glorify they say i am this i am that how wonderful it would be if children run around saying i am rama i am lakshmana and believe me prem it has it does make an impact it does make an impact whatever you feed the children that is what they turn out to be i'm speaking as with special focus on children if they grow up on pokemon that is how it is later don't rue that your children are not good you gave them wrong food you give them fat they will grow fat you give them protein they will grow strong i mean what you feed them is what they grow into doesn't hold good only for the body but holds good to the mind and spirit also and so therefore even if you say ramayana is a fiction isn't it a fiction worth everyone reading because that is the kind of ideals that gets imprinted in you unconsciously and you know possibly nobody can highlight this better than swami himself i remember this discourse where mm-hmm. swami spoke for 75 minutes on the ramayana towards the end i think we have that clipping where swami spoke for about 2 minutes on how powerful and wonderful the ramayana is i feel we should all listen to this and at least today start our endeavor that you know before telling our children to read the ramayana and mahabharata let us be sure that if tomorrow they ask us who is shruta kirti or what is jambavan we will have an answer ready so let us ourselves do our homework and then also encourage because good thoughts have to be spread and well you know if you say that i am trying to market the ramayana here we have swami himself కనుకనే ప్రతి కుటుంబానికి కూడాను అన్నదమ్ములంటే ఏ విధంగా ఉండాలని రామాయణం ప్రబోధిస్తూ ఉంటుంది రామాయణ టీచెస్ హౌ బ్రదర్స్ షుడ్ బిహేవ్ ప్రతి కుటుంబమునకును భార్యాభర్తలంటే ఏ విధంగా ఉండాలని సీతారాములు ఆదర్శాన్ని అందిస్తూ వచ్చారు సీతారామ డెమోన్స్ట్రేట్స్ అన్ ఐడియల్ కపుల్ ఎవరి కుటుంబములో కూడాను తండ్రి బిడ్డలు ఏ విధంగా ఉంటుండాలంటే దశరథునికిని కుమారులకు ఉన్నటువంటి సన్నిధి సంబంధాన్ని ఆదర్శంగా నిరూపించారు ది ఇంటిమేట్ రిలేషన్షిప్ బిట్వీన్ ది ఫాదర్ అండ్ ది సన్ ఈ నాడు మనకు చాలా రామాయణం అత్యవసరము టుడే రామాయణ ఇస్ వెరీ ఎసెన్షియల్ ఎందుకనగా తండ్రి 
మాటలు పిల్లలు వినటం లేదు బికాస్ ద సన్ ఇస్ నాట్ ఓబేయింగ్ ఫాదర్ భవిష్యత్తు గురించి తండ్రులు యోచించటం లేదు ఫాదర్ ఇస్ నాట్ బాదర్డ్ ది ఫ్యూచర్ మాట భార్య వినటం లేదు ద వైఫ్ డజంట్ భార్య మాట భర్త వినిపించుకోవటం లేదు హస్బెండ్ డజంట్ లిసన్ టు వైఫ్ ఇస్ ఏ మాత్రం కొడను గౌరవించటం లేదు ద స్టూడెంట్ ఇస్ నాట్ రెస్పెక్టింగ్ ది టీచర్ ఏ మాత్రం కొడను గురువులు కొడను గమనించటం లేదు అండ్ ది టీచర్ ఇస్ నాట్ అబ్జర్వింగ్ ది స్టూడెంట్ లోపల రామాయణము ప్రతి మానవునికి అత్యవసరమే అండర్ ది సర్కమ్స్టెన్సెస్ రామాయణ్ ఇస్ వెరీ సెన్సిటివ్ ఈ సర్వ విధములైనటువంటి లోపములు పరిహారం కావాలంటే రామాయణాన్ని మనం పట్టుకోవాలి టు క్యూర్ ఆల్ ది డిఫెక్ట్స్ ఇన్ ది రామాయణాన్ని మనం అనుసరించాలి వి షుడ్ ఫాలో రామాయణ ఇది ఏ మనం చేయవలసిన ప్రధానమైన కర్తవ్యం ఇస్ ది మెయిన్ డ్యూటీ ఆన్ ది పార్ట్ ఆఫ్ ఎవరీ వన్ ఆఫ్ us ఎగ్జాక్ట్లీ దట్స్ వెర్ స్వామి సేయింగ్ సో ఎంఫాటిక్లీ దట్ ఇఫ్ యు వాంట్ టు iron out all the problems we have in the society today we have to promote a story like ramayana i think we had made a mention last week also you know how subtly swami embeds or in fact the ancients have embedded some of the cultural aspects into some of these stories in any story for that matter even if you take the mahabharata or the other small stories which you know you find in the epics of ramayana and mahabharata all of them have these things because often times you know when you give an ideal to the younger generation the ideal should be really an ideal mm. like you know you cannot give them and uh, a compromised image and say that this is good enough you give them the best as they say you aim for the skies and you at least get to the rooftop and that is what swami would often do swami would say that keep this as an ideal why do you want to keep you know a lower a lesser one right a, a good mortal as an ideal rather than god who came down as a mortal you know as a descent as an idol because i i remember once uh, i think it was in kodaikanal when swami had asked one of the research scholars to speak and he had done a research on the leadership qualities embodied in the, in the mahabharata mm. so after his uh, talk swami asked him you tell me one thing who is the hero of mahabharata according to you so this boy said swami arjuna because mm. arjuna is the one who is the most valorous the most heroic So, he is the one who kills all the commanders in chief of the right, kaurava army he is the one who who has no match in the you know the the opposing army so he says swami in the mahabharata i think arjuna is the hero swami said wrong <laughs> what have you done research is completely hmm. wrong and swami went on to say the only hero in the whole of mahabharata is krishna hmm see the subtle point that swami was making there is when you see a movie often times you know who is the whether you see a movie or i see a movie we always relate to the the central character in the movie the hero of the movie right we mm. don't relate to the brother or the sister of the of the hero of the movie we always relate to the hero of the movie we always come out thinking that we are the hero we mm. often used to say this when you take a children to a spiderman movie you would have all spidermans coming out mm. because every child would imagine that he is the spiderman of the movie swami was subtly saying there why do you relate to a mortal who is excelled in the story relate to krishna relate to him as the hero only then you will keep him as your idol and that is why it is important to give stories like this to the younger generation exactly if you look at some of the greatest invasions in history these invasions have been successful and long lasting not because of superior army might not because of superior military tactics but whenever the culture of a place is eroded and replaced with another culture that is when the invasions have lasted the longest time there have been many who have invaded india but if you see it was the british that ruled india for the longest time is because if you see the way they did of course they had better guns and all that but that was much later in the beginning it started with promoting education 
English education and putting down the Indian epics, putting down whatever was the local culture. And I am really sad and pained to say this, Prem, that it continues even to this day. Look out and there is some kind of superiority if you speak in English in India. And if you don't know English and happen to just speak your mother tongue, you are looked down upon. And there is some kind of a joy in bashing up the culture of India. Of course, there are many, many in the western countries and in the foreign countries who admire the Indian culture. Of course, I am not saying no to that. But there are also many in India who bash the culture of India. So, that is really sad. And you can see the impact of the invasion. I don't think that the invasion that began in the 17th century is yet over. I don't think we are truly independent. I don't think we got true independence on the 15th of August 1947 because we are still slaves. Because we have forgotten our cultural roots. And that is why, you know, as one famous Sanskrit shloka goes, actually that shloka is the one that gives me hope because it says, Yavat thasyanti girayaha saritascha mahitale tavat ramayani kata lokeshu pracharishyati which means as long as the mountains and rivers exist, the Ramayana Katha, the story of Ramayana will exist till then. That gives me hope because I feel as long as the Ramayana is alive, we cannot go into a nadir of hopelessness. There is definitely hope. And Swami has, possibly we can conclude on this note. Swami, you know, has given a beautiful interpretation in a discourse. I forgot. I was recently editing this discourse. I forget which discourse, but Swami has given an interpretation for this shloka. Mm -hmm. Swami says, mountains refer to men and rivers refer to women. And in Sanskrit and in Hindi also, if you see, a mountain is given a masculine gender. A river is given a feminine gender. It is not given a neuter gender. Swami says, as long as men and women exist on this earth, the Ramayana Katha will exist. Which means, Ramayana is the story of humankind itself. So, as long as humankind exists, the Ramayana story will exist. And this shloka actually gives me great hope. And I sincerely pray and hope that these beautiful immortal stories are taken up more seriously because they might not yield immediate results but surely in 10-15 years from now as a critical mass builds up the world is definitely going to become a better place a more peaceful place a more tolerant place to live in very true and that is why even as you're listening to us please do not think it's after all the Ramayana we've seen it so many times on TV we've heard it so many times we've read it so many times. Prem, I don't think that that holds true <laughs> today. There are many people who have not seen it on TV and heard it. Right. But all said and done, you know, in fact, uh, to be honest, before we started Ramkatra Swani, I think uh, a little bit of that thought was there. After all, it's the Ramkatra Swani. We've read it so many times. But that is the beauty. The more you read it, the more it will sink into you. And the more you will read between the lines. And that is what is most beautiful. In fact, when we had Venkat Ramansar in one of our shows, the other shows, the Shravanam, Mananam, Nididhyasanam, he said Shravanam is listening and Mananam and Nididhyasanam is listening between the lines. And that is exactly what happens when you read and reread some of these epics. Because we can see, as you beautifully pointed out, why should Swami mention an episode like this if it is not that he is trying to get this to our notice? And if we read Ramayana again and again, and with this keen eye of what are those things which Swami is enhancing and emphasizing on in this story, and I think that is how we will be able to draw the full message which Swami is giving us through the Ramakathara Swami. And I think 
we should be grateful for Swami for giving us this opportunity for Arvind and myself to go through the story. And on behalf of all of you, I think we should thank Swami for giving us this opportunity to listen to this Ramayana again. So dear listeners, it's time for us to leave now. We're going to leave you with a couple of songs offering our most humble pranams and gratitude at Swami's lotus feet. Till we meet you next week for the afternoon satsang again. This is Prem with Arvind signing off. Thank you. Jai Sai Ram. Oye Rama Oye Rama Nivunanda Nundu Kodanda Rama Oye Rama Sai Rama Nivunanda Nundu Kodanda Rama Oye Rama
Saira, you just heard an episode of our radio program Afternoon Satsang. This was a segment of Radio Sai's Thursday Live hosted by Prem and Arvind at 12:30 p.m. Indian Standard Time on Thursdays only on Asia Stream of Radio Sai Global Harmony. The discussion was on Ramakatha Rasavahini, a book written by Swami, and today's episode was first broadcast live on 12th February 2015. Dear listener, we hope you like this program. As always, you can send us your feedback to listener at radiosai.org. You could also WhatsApp us your feedback to this number 9393258258. Thank you and Sai Ram.